Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome, everyone. This is the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and I'm joined uh, by two great Canadians this week. Uh, we've got Sculpty Boy Spleen Face. Spleen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And we've also got uh, the other Sculpty Boy and Pongo. Pongo, how are you doing today? Doing good. Glad to be here as always. Yeah, it's good to get good to hear from you guys again. I know I was uh, sick last week. Um, I had uh, <laughs> had strep throat last week, so I appreciate you guys, uh, Pongo and Cobblepot and uh, Charles, for running the episode last week for me. Uh, but I'm back, and we've got a great show lined up for you guys today. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to take a moment and thank all of you for joining us this week. If you do like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord server, as well as some extra content, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Mind Sculptors, or check out the link in the description. Uh, we've also got a TCG player affiliate link now. And so does that mean that all three of our like separate channels have individual TCG player links now? Because I know Team Turn 3 has one. Does it in the North have one? Yep. Yeah. So, so look at us. We're all we're all professionals. Exactly. <laughs> this means we're competitors, right? So there you go. Yep. Or we're fighting um, to, to get those those hard-earned TCG yeah, player affiliate dollars. Yeah. Um, but, well, but if you but want this means to... You get to, you get to, like, frame this as, like, a super ambitious crossover, right? Like, you know... <laughs> Un- unlikely like, allies, yeah. Wendy's and McDonald's, like, you know, do something together. It's like, oh, my God. This... It's like when Wendy's and McDonald's both, like, shitpost on Burger King on Twitter. Wendy's and McDonald's, exactly. if you're listening, please sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, have or we, have Card we Kingdom it, or TCG said, player, whoever. Yeah, sorry, Callahan, have us. I said Wendy's and McDonald's enough to... to yeah. <laughs> we have a quota, right? So anyway, uh, if, if you want to help support the show, uh, you can go down into our description. And uh, we've got our TCG player affiliate link down there. Buying cards, you can use that. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Um, so today we wanted to, uh, you know, today we're recording this here on Thursday and there's like all these, you know, today they just announced all the Strixhaven stuff. And I know a lot of people are going to expect our next episode or some of our upcoming episodes to be on talking about Strixhaven. Uh, but, uh, we're going to talk instead about a card that's been here for, when was this printed? Um, uh, November 2016, I believe. Was 2016. Uh, so it's been out for five years as uh, our good friend uh, King Thrasios. <laughs> um, and uh, whether or not in the current meta of competitive EDH, uh, where it stands is it's still as good as it used to be. 
Uh, is it still a juggernaut of the meta game? Is it still a juggernaut just in the format uh, and kind of where we land on that? Uh, so, you know, a, a couple things just before we get too deep into our opinions on things. Uh, and I think it was, you know, Pongo, we were talking about this uh, beforehand when we were kind of getting everything ready is, you know, there was like a period of time where people thought like Thrasius was better than Timna and all these things. And, you know, really, why was it that people thought Thrasius was so good and why was Thrasius so good for so long uh, in competitive EDH? Yeah, so just to be clear, uh, you know, even though I guess the, the verbiage that you were using sort of made it sound like we might have a conclusion already. I, I don't think we we do. And I think we're, we're going to have a, a spirited no, no, yeah, discussion yeah, about just, this card. But um, in the past, yeah, certainly uh, like early on when, when Thrasios was spoiled, um, if we can compare him to some of the other partners that were spoiled, you know, partners that we will surely be discussing today, um, he was sort of the one that immediately grabbed people's attention. Um, and I think a big part of that is because, you know, there's a multitude of reasons, but a big part of that was just the idea that uh, as an infinite mana outlet, he could easily be comp compared to something that kind of already existed uh, in the form of Tassiger. Um, and so people were comparing him to Tasker at the time when they were saying, oh, well, you know, Tasker's already a solid deck. We already know that this is a real deck. Um, so, you know, if you just add an Throw extra, in my yeah, if you, if, if you just add an <laughs> extra, extra color, if you're listening, if we, if we just add an extra color to this deck, then, you know, it's going to be great. Right. So like, it was pretty obvious, I think from the get go that Thrasios was going to be very, very powerful. Um, you know, what's interesting is that probably people overlooked other commanders or other partners as a result. Yeah. And I and, think, I think that. It, it was honestly kind of interesting to see. I think that um, that continued, like, I think the obvious, you know, competitor for the best partner of, at least for the few years after they were printed, would have been would have been Timna. And I think that even reasonably late into the development, when people had to realize, like, okay, Timna's incredibly strong, and, like, Thrasios and Timna were pretty dominant and you know, were the go-to for not only the, like, Nas, Scepter, Consult archetype and Flash Hulk. Um, I think that people still, uh, view, a lot of people uh, viewed Thrasios as the stronger of the pair. Um, and I think that's also in part because the effect he had, like, he was, he was much more sort of feast or famine where when... When a game was dominated by Thrasios, like, everyone knew, everyone saw, um, whereas Timna's, like, a little bit more quiet, right, where you were, you drew two extra cards a turn for, or, you know, one or two extra cards a turn for, like, five turns. You drew eight extra cards over five turns, and, like, that's insane, like, I, saying that out loud, right? Like, three mana, draw eight cards over five turns is, is absurdly strong, but it's not, like... You don't you don't see it happening in the same way where like oh they just activated Thrasios three times in the end step like oh right. they're you know untapping and doing it again and oh like so well, yeah twelve mana that, draw three cards versus three mana draw three cards well immediately and that was also is a pretty exacerbated 
that was also like exacerbated right in the in the days where paradox engine was legal and you still and you could do all sorts of shenanigans with it where you know i think we were talking about this earlier you can manually storm and use the mana to draw a bunch of cards and then i'm sure even after that people have seen where you just have like thrasios and like a seedborn muse uh and you know you're just every end step okay i'm gonna activate thrasios a bunch and so like in in to go to your point spleen is where it's just like people saw that right yeah yeah i think it like thrasios had a very very visible effect on the games that he had a big effect on and i think timna was was a little bit less visible um for for a few different reasons Right. Yeah, I do think that's so, a big part of that was just, uh, you know, people needed to play with Timna a lot and kind of like come to this realization over time about how busted she was. Right. Yeah, and I think the, the opinion certainly shifted, like over time it shifted towards like, okay, Timna's arguably the better of the the two. But I think that um, it didn't shift like maybe quite as much as as might have been expected. Certainly, um, I think as much as people would probably feel now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like for a really long time, um, and maybe this was, in my head, probably pre-Flash, um, and maybe even for a period of time afterwards, um, where they were... If Tim, if you didn't think Timna was better than Thrasios, you at least thought they were both about equal, right? Like you at least saw them as about the same quality. I, I don't think that's true either. I think there were a lot of people who, who believed, like I certainly spoke with a lot of people who were pretty convinced that Thrasios was the stronger card by a, a comfortable margin. Um yeah, I mean, Obviously, we can we trace out particularly hard data on that, but we can we can trace out some of the evolution of like those early Thrasios decks, um, and you know, certainly like Thrasios Vile was actually like one of the earlier builds uh, utilizing Thrasios um, and like Scepter type strategies, and obviously Paradox Engine, which existed back then, um, and then that kind of like got ported into Thrasios Timna afterward, right? Like, so that kind of like goes to show that people were still kind of like thinking from the, like the mindset of like, you know, like the Jaleva type decks that existed back in the day, you know, like kind of like porting over that style of deck to some extent, right? Like with, with the wheel package and, and sort of, you know, that sort of, um, orientation of of sort of like storming. Um, and then it was only sort of a bit of a later innovation when people started to say like, okay, well let's take it in a more mid rangey direction rather than kind of like a fast stormy direction. And we're going to keep scepter and, and we're obviously going to still have a couple of wheels and some wheel synergies. And like, we're obviously still going to have paradox engine, but like, you know, we're going to have Timna here and maybe play a couple of mana dorks um, and, and like get a little bit of value from there. And then like even another step after that was like the people who started jamming even more mana dorks in their Thrasios Timna decks to try to leverage even more Timna value. So, you know, there was sort of a progression there that was kind of like 
sort of optimization towards maximizing Timna value and, and not necessarily people prioritizing her right out of the gate, you know, in favor of Thrasios. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think another thing that really illustrates how it took a little while for people to get out of the thinking of basing their four color decks on the three color decks that they had played before partners was printed was like one of the most popular builds of Thrasios and Timna for a decently long time was Doomtide Thrasios. And like, we can argue the merits of Doomsday, um, but I think it's like much harder to argue for the merits of High Tide in a four color list. Right. Um, <laughs> but it was like, I mean, it's a lot easier if you're in Xur or, or Jaleva, like white or red are a very minor part of your list. So you're kind of down to two colors. And then supporting High Tide is actually like pretty easy. But uh, but then, you know, once you get into three colors and like green tends to be a pretty heavy part of that because you just have like a bunch of, you know, like the, the dorks, while they're not like hugely instrumental to your game plan, there's just kind of a lot of them. So it winds up inflating the green pip count of your deck and therefore the green land count you need to, to support them. So like it's it's interesting to see how long people stuck with with things like that without you know, with porting a three-color deck into four colors and just, like, adding some extra toys as opposed to, I think, more designing from the ground up for four colors. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, to some extent, that's inevitable. I think that we have a tendency to evaluate cards based on our sort of existing heuristics and existing decks and, like, how cards slot into existing decks before people start to think about like the new novel ideas and the novel applications of cards. Um, so I think right. that's just essentially like something of an inevitability to some extent. And it's sort of like a historical factor that we all have to contend with. And so, you know, when we're, when we're talking about the quality then of Thrasios, and, you know, in these metas where, you know, you were playing all... Because the, 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 the big thing that I remember with Thrasios and Tuna, and there was a very long time where I know, um, at least from somebody... So, for context, um, I'm significantly newer to CDH than you guys are. Um, really fully diving in to completely CDH like maybe three and a half years ago. I don't um, think that makes you much newer than I am. Well, I was, I, I am significantly like less well-versed and I feel much newer to the community um, and much more like unaware of things before. And like when I started getting in, cause like when I, when I started getting in, I was like watching lab man videos and that was it. Right. Um, and so it's like if Cobble or Dan or Siggy and I guess Shaper uh, weren't doing something on it, um, then I was probably not very aware of it. Um, but I like I, I remember for a long time with Thrasios and Timna that it was synonymous in my playgroup and to me with like Flash Hulk. And, you know, what, and to some extent, how, how accurate was that for like 
the rest of the CEDH world? Um, there were, uh, they were typically referred to as like Red Hulk uh, mm-hmm. builds. Um, and then like there, there's, the, the thing is there was never like a super great pile, unfortunately, in those, in those colors. And like right. every once in a while, there'd be like a new piece printed that would make people think like, like um, Torch Courier. People yeah. Like, okay, well now I can get like, I can get Torch Courier Hermit Druid and like three CMC worth of whatever else I want. Um, like that was, that was a thing. Um, I think wild canter, I think was in that, right? Cause then you could that use was, that. That was like, yeah, one the... of the, one of the things people did. Um, I think Pathrogas uh, was big on a, he had some sort of Thrasios vial. It was like Hulk and Scepter and Nas uh, deck for a very long time but this was a while yeah and eventually he moved on to kenrith piles as well in in a similar vein to that yeah um but but yes um the first i think the the first hulk deck that got like a big acceptance because protein hulk was unbanned after the partners were printed not a lot after right months but um was was siggy's uh breakfast hulk list which was the uh the pile with Cephalid Illusionist and Nomad Zencore, the, the breakfast, Cephalid Breakfast combo, and then you fit Grand Abolisher, um, and then you just Dread Returned uh, Angel of Glory's Rise uh, for Labman and Hapless Researcher. Um, and obviously that, I mean, that deck still saw play right up until, basically right up until the, I mean, you could even argue that of all the Hulk decks uh, that existed before it, Oracle Hulk, or like Sushi Hulk was kind of an extension of that. Um, right. So, but but it saw play right up until the printing of Oracle, um, because putting like fitting Grand Abolisher into your Hulk pile was was very very hard to beat. Um, then there was the uh, a few years later there was the uh, the definitely not Verals uh, <laughs> type lists that focused on on having the sack outlets and then that let you do Rector pattern natural order type right. things um and then just go into some like persist combo pile um and then lastly but initially that had to multi-hulk until the printing of um lesser masticore in modern horizons uh and then lastly partway through i think it was partway through 2018 someone looked at cards and went hang on a minute shuffle hook <laughs> is a deck huh <laughs> um, and that, I think that became the most dominant, uh, archetype. And I guess before, I... Po- before Pongo gets insulted, uh, <laughs> also towards, towards the end, uh, I think largely after the printing of Jace, Wielder of Mysteries. Uh, it was before uh, Jace, uh, eventually got slotted into this deck. So this was definitely, uh, not something that was spurred on by the printing of Jace. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, I guess I, uh, was, uh, was Sacred Hulk, which issued playing white cards. Wait, was that your deck, Pongo? Yep. I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, which, uh, which didn't play white cards other than Sacred Guide, and then your Hulk pile was just, like, Labman, Sacred Guide, Hapless Researcher, and something, usually Sylvan Safekeeper or, uh, Blood Pet, um... Correct, and then the, obviously that layered nicely with with consult, um, and you just had like you just had a much 
smaller, tighter uh, Hulk pile because you didn't have to play either like just a bunch of pieces like uh, like something like uh, definitely not for alls or right. sacrifice Hulk persist. Hulk, right. Yeah. In it. many ways, um, this was like the precursor to, you know, what comes next yeah. <laughs> as I'm sure you're going to talk about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously Thassa's Oracle was printed and then all that thought and discussion and comparison that people had put into Hulk piles kind of went out the window because <laughs> um, Oracle was like, Oracle was hard enough to disrupt that you really, really didn't need Grand Abolisher. Um, like, it it wins the game with a triggered ability, which meant if the Hulk trigger resolved, you were playing around, like, Angel's Grace and Stifle. That was... That was it. Um, right. And so, trying to get Grand Abolisher into play wasn't worth the, like whole bunch of extra cards that breakfast hulk had to play you needed your like you know your dread return and then you had uh you had like all the pe- all the like weird dread return combo pieces to get stuff out of your hand oh, and boy. like the narc amoeba phantasmagorian for a while don't remind me the dark <laughs> yeah, days cabal, cabal therapy, therapy like all of the oh my all gosh. Of this stuff um oh yeah we, we played some weird so cards like, yeah you you could just like get rid of all of that you could um like drawing your Hulk pieces was like super not a big deal because the deck just pivoted to console like basically effortlessly. Um, you had your your backup line was Spellseeker for consult. Um, and and so it was like it basically took all the card quality of existing consult lists and combined them with the ease of winning of Flash Hulk lists. And was ridiculous and super unfun and and was banned like a month or two later. Fine, it, a it month was or two, three months. Yeah. It was was it three, three later? Yeah. Months. It, it felt like a month or two because no one played CEDH for a little bit, <laughs> so it was like, like no, oh. no, it yeah, it took um, yeah, exactly, like definitely more than a month or two because I, I, I jammed um, quite a bit of that deck. <laughs> I played during that time. Um, I played the like Kenrith Hermit Druid deck that also ran that, but I also did like Underworld Breach lines with it, um, so that you could like have a backup if your uh, Druid or have your, a backup um, for your backup in case you're in case yeah you're you basically just had like three different like three different ways of getting there effectively, um, and I went to a uh, SCG, S, SCG um, like qualifier event and I was playing like I think I was playing like Jund midrange or something in the in the event and like made it like three rounds lost all three and was like alright well I'm done and then went over to their commander stuff and they were like we're doing competitive commander and I was like alright so I signed up and I took that deck and I ended up winning a box of Modern Horizons, which was their like grand prize because I did not lose a single match because I was either winning off of like a turn one or two Hermit Druid or I was winning off of a Flash Hulk or I was or some odd combination of that. It was it was absolutely ridiculous. This is like hard um, for me to believe, actually, knowing you now that you ever played this deck. Like you're, you're <laughs> I played it on our channel. You're describing Bizarro World Callahan to me. That 
I played that. Um, that was like the second gameplay episode that we did. I was playing the um, Druid Breach list, um, and that was the same deck that I that I played before. That had like f- I had to like make cuts for Flash Hulk or make add pieces because when Flash got banned, and I eventually just moved off of Hulk because there's no reason to be on it. Um, I'll let Sikiri say that. I, I used to be, like, really into, like, just Storm. And it, it's really funny because, like, when the when the meta was, like, all mid-range sandbaggy, I was, like, wanting to go fast. And now that the meta wants to go super fast, I'm like, hey, let's slow down, everybody. So basically um, you're just a contrarian. Uh, clearly. Or a hipster, um, one of the two, you know. Yeah, I guess they're not mutually me. exclusive. So we just need to get but people playing more Lavinia and then Callahan just gives up. He just says, you know what? I can't play this deck anymore. No, if, if you want me to stop playing Lavinia, just everybody play Najila. That's the only deck that anybody ever plays. And if that's all you do, I'll eventually just be like, all right, I'm done. This is like a win-win but. for me. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we kind of, wow, uh, we, we have digressed a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> but anyway, so like Thrasios and Timna was kind of synonymous with, with Flash Hulk for a while because it was, why was it like well, the I best think, shell for, I it? think if, when you said Flash Hulk, people thought of Thrasios and Timna, when you said Thrasios and Timna, I don't know that it was necessarily like everyone went, Oh, Flash Hulk. Like, obviously that was a big part of it, but, uh, like Razakats was a reasonably popular deck for a while. Um, yeah, a little bit later. There was, there yeah, were, there was just like CST, or I guess at the time it was it was uh, PST, right? Yep. Uh, Paradox yeah. after Thrasios, um, which uh, was a, a decent portion of the community thought that that was actually the best deck uh, for a while. I think that it it slowly shifted towards more and more people thinking some variety of Flash Elk was was the best, but. Um, yeah, it, so, I mean, Thrasios, obviously, you know, we talked to, I mean, now I've said Paradox Engine, and I think uh, Pongo touched on it earlier, but um, it, like, it very easily went infinite with Paradox Engine, much more easily than anything uh, else, like, even Tassiger at the time, which was, like, the other sort of infinite mana, put cards in your hand, Commander, people just started giving you counter spells, Right. And then, mm-hmm. like, you could kind of try and, like, cast counter spells and then counter your counter spells and then counter those counter spells and and then like activate Tassiger with with like all your counter spells still on the stack targeting each other and like hope that you could mill into enough stuff that wasn't counter spells to like force your opponents to actually give you something and good. then they just give you back a dark <laughs> ritual and you're sad it's like okay well i guess we could spit no no yeah they give you back like they give you back like the mana rocks and you're like okay, but if I want to play these mana rocks to get more mana, then I have to let all the counter spells that are on the stack resolve. Yeah. <laughs> Disaster. Um, and, and then, like, yeah, so you, you could usually just, like, chain spells. And then if you found a way to hit Sensei's Divining Top, you actually just went infinite. Oh, yeah. Because um, you could just put put the top back up on top, flip into it, and then, like, you were guaranteed hitting a spell that you could cast every time. Um, and, obviously, uh, Scepter... 
I mean, it's still a part of the meta. It's still like a decently solid combo. Um, and then people did things like uh, like the Bomberman combo with uh, with Overyx Salvagers and Lion's Eye Diamond. Um, so it was it was an infinite mana outlet, which gave you a nice backup no matter what your deck's primary plan was, or sometimes infinite mana and Thrasios was the primary plan. Um, mm-hmm. But then also in the Flash Hulk age, um, holding interaction was like a hugely important thing, and a lot of games came down to like people just passing passing like whoever blinks first sort of loses. And then having a commander that you can just like activate the end step before your turn to get card advantage um, could certainly like d- determine games, right? Because if everyone's drawing one card a turn and you're essentially trying to get to the point where you have enough interaction that you can force through like everyone else at the table, if you start activating Thrasios, like you're drawing, you know, one extra card a turn that's like better than average because you get a scry. And it can also just flip you into like more dorks and and like more mana, either lands or dorks or rocks, and then you you know then you start activating Thresios twice a turn, um, and then three times a turn, and like it very quickly sort of snowballs and runs away with the game, and you can sculpt like you know you sculpt the the hand of seven that's literally it's like Flash Hulk seven counter spells, <laughs> like we've got Pact Dispel you know Silence like. Um, Flusterstorm, um, and so like it it played very nicely into a meta where tapping out was was often very risky and like difficult to commit to. And so, like when we look at that, then and we compare it to now, right? Um, because now often. The comparison is like, all right, well, who's the better Timna partner? Is it Thrasios or is it Krom? And so when you you look at those two next to each other, you know, why is it that there's like some people look at Krom and go, this is better? Yeah, I think a big part of this has to do with just um, like deck building ideas being a little bit different these days. Um So where like a lot of decks in the past were sort of, especially let's say like Thrasios style decks, um, were were in some sense, like, especially for Scepter, um, kind of top down where it was like, okay, what am I doing to sort of like break Thrasios? I'm going to pursue like these infinite mana combos. I'm going to, you know, when, when it was legal, I'm going to play Paradox Engine and sure, you know, when that got um, banned, you know, everyone kind of, jumped ship and was like starting to play more like consult type strategies. Um, You know, at the end of the day, it was still kind of this idea of having like a very, very slim win condition package and then just playing like kind of like a bunch of uh, generically good interactive cards and and value cards and stuff like that. Um, Nowadays, people are building their decks a little bit differently. They're sort of more of a like synergy based approach within the deck itself very much more like bottom up oriented in the sense that people are kind of like, you know, jamming a bunch of cards, jamming a win condition, notably ad nauseum, notably peer into the abyss. That's meant to kind of synergize with the rest of the cards in the deck. Um, you know, ultimately this is pushing people to play a ton of fast mana, ton of mana rocks, stuff like that. Uh, and you know, in order to really leverage 
the sort of expensive but like one card win conditions uh, that these represent. What they're doing is, you know, people were, were mulliganing a lot more. This is sort of, I, I would say, supported by the London Mulligan, which makes it, you know, a lot more profitable to do so. So I think that's another major thing that changed in the format uh, that kind of, I would say, uh, strengthened this type of strategy. And so if you're jamming your deck full of like synergy uh, rituals and stuff like that, you know, you don't necessarily always have a payoff uh, that you will have in your opening hand or drawn to in the early early turns. So you're sort of really benefited by having kind of a mana sink in the command zone. Um, you know, it, you could be running Thrasios, right, to do that. And some people have been exploring that. But alternatively, what you could be doing is playing something like Krom, um, which, you know, you're kind of paying five mana into one time and then you're kind of just getting sort of passive value off of it. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily too controversial to say that, you know, pound for pound, Krom is sort of like a more powerful card than Thrasios, where Thrasios is sort of potentially better is in sort of more specific circumstances. Um, but like, you know, Krom is a five mana card and five mana cards tend to be better than two mana cards. Um, <clears throat> you would think so, but given the history of design. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we expect we expect less from our two mana cards than we do from our five mana yeah, cards. So yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm certain. Yeah, yeah, so people are playing that, jamming it with Timna, and it just so happens that having, you know, like a hasty flying attacker with Timna is pretty strong uh, to actually leverage Timna. Uh, people are playing it alongside things now, like other partners like Tevish Sot and stuff like that. Sort of like another big five mana card that you can kind of just dump all of your fast mana into to get into play and then gen- start generating a ton of value. So so really, you know, I think what we're seeing is that sort of push towards decks that are, again, very synergy-based, um, very bottom-up, you know, oriented around Adnals and Breach and stuff like that. Um, and so there's been like multiple things that have happened. I guess like red cards have been printed that have kind of further solidified that strategy as being particularly attractive. Um, and you know, just additionally, I think like losing flash Hulk, losing paradox engine kind of chipped away at Thrasios's identity to some extent. Um, that's not to say that they're not still Thrasios decks, but like he's, he's lost market share. Let's, let's just put it that way. I think, I think one of the other, uh, big things is that while people, like people building decks, trying to get to like an ad nauseum or, or even, you know, getting even farther all the way to appear as fast as possible means that they've started pulling out, um, sources of mana that aren't recurrent and like, if you tap your mana vault and cast your crom, you know, that's often like not ideal, but it's certainly a lot better than tapping your mana vault to activate Thrasios. Um, right. <laughs> where like, where like if you, you can play like a dark ritual or a mana vault or, I mean, obviously jeweled Lotus, but that's like, I think this trend existed before the printing of jeweled Lotus. Um, just using like rituals or temporary mana landing crom and then having it draw you cards without having to put anything more into it um that synergizes 
in those decks that are playing that those kinds of cards. Right. Whereas like Thrasios decks tend to be playing like you want your mana sources to untap so you can do it all again next turn. So you you know you play dorks, but you also play like usually you play like big dorks, yeah. right? You play Bloom uh, Tender instead of Grim Monolith. You you play Bloom Tender or Priest of Tender. Tap right? draw or card. Or <laughs> pretty pretty um, decent. Yeah, so like it's a little bit slower. I think another thing that um, gets somewhat overlooked is the amount of free interaction that has become available uh, has meant that um, has meant that like tapping out first of all is like it's less bad um, because you know like there was force of will and then there was pact of negation, but pact of negation isn't really a free interaction spell especially right. in, the, in the early game, right. right? Like if you, if it's like turn two and you're like, okay, I played Mana Vault on turn one. I could just like slam Crom here, like tap the Mana Vault, slam Crom, like pack of negation. And I see you do that. I don't go like, well, I can't try and go off here. Cause what if he has packed of negation? Because you, you can't pay for it. And like, even if you can pay for it, it's often like time walking yourself. So it was basically force of will for free interaction. Uh, but now we have Force of Will, Force of Negation, Fierce Guardianship, and Deflecting Swat, uh, plus some of the one-mana interaction right. has been rounded out with things like Veil of Summer, Miscast. Um, so, so like, tapping out or tapping down, I think, has become a lot easier, and has it now doesn't send nearly as strong a signal um, as it used to, because I think... It, you know, if someone tapped out on turn two before, I think Fierce Guardianship and Deflecting Squad are like the biggest contributors to this, but Force Navigation helped. You know, in 2018, if someone tapped out on turn two, I just assumed they didn't have anything. It's like, okay, maybe they have Force right. of Will. Every once in a while, I run into the Force of Will. But now it's like, you know, I, people tap out and it's like, oh, well, they must just have Fierce Guardianship because otherwise, like, why, you know, like, why would they tap out here if they, you know, didn't have it or it's like oh that makes sense right rather than hold two minute interaction just or like like you know i've seen people like play vile smash if someone like plays vile smasher taps out to play vile smasher i'm like okay they have fierce guardianship obviously because otherwise you know why um why would you do that um so it's like tapping out has become a lot easier to do for a few different reasons um, which means that the like the strength of Thrasios, which is that like you can activate it at instant speed, um, has become much less valuable over time as well. And obviously, also not being able to represent Flash, uh, right, loses some value for <laughs> for Thrasios. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, in in a lot of respects, that was sort of like Thrasios's identity, and and in some sense, that was like Green Dex's identity for some, you know, year or so, maybe a little bit longer, um, you know, leading up until the Flash ban. And so, you know, with with that being gone, uh, you know, some of these decks have have sort of lost a little bit of uh, you know, what what they were about, you know, kind of like the best thing to be doing in those colors. And so, like, right. there, there, it's been, it, you know, compounding that even more is the fact that, like, last year, Green didn't really get any new cards um, to speak of. And all the good cards felt like they were 
came out and ready. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like, it's not like we necessarily got like new big draws to playing green either. Yeah, I was like, surely there must have been something, and I'm like, actually, just nope. <laughs> there really wasn't. Any. I was like, oh, what about no? That was 2019. Oh, what? No, that was also 2019. Right. You know, Allosaurus <laughs> Shepherd is. Allosaurus. Yeah, Shepherd? I mean, that's a hell of a card, but. The problem is that it's yeah, a hell of a card. Yeah, it's like narrow. Yeah, it's a hell of a card for lower color decks than like the four color piles that are trying to win with like a blue and a black spell. Yeah. Right. That doesn't do much for uh, for Oracle Consult wins. Right. So let me... I'll posit this question to both of you. Um, in 2021, uh, what is... Your opinion is Thrasio still good, and how do you? Where do you evaluate it relative? Do you evaluate it above or under Crom, um, as far as being the best Timna partner? Which is kind of how you evaluate these like top end. Um, like Are we sorry? Guys. So we're talking specifically in the context of being a Timna partner. I think uh, there was two well, questions okay. there. Just yeah, that because uh, that that might change my answer. Fair enough. So, in 2019, then, uh, and we're 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 looking at this because because I feel like now we're kind of looking at this as it is a Timna partner, um, because like you know I get I I guess Thrasios Crom does exist. Um, Thrasios Vial does exist. I mean, the Thrasios Vial too. So okay, I'll just put it to you this way. Yeah, which what, one do what you think is, is better? <laughs> Um, Who would even consider which one do that? you think is better then uh in in 2021 and i'll, I'll start with uh spleen face uh, i think is... i think it's uh still thrasios thrasios okay. I, think, I think that no just do you think thrasios is a better partner for is better than gotcha. crom or vice versa yeah yeah i i think thrasios is better than crom um We've seen, you know, a few different, like, versions of Thrasios decks. You know, there's, like, the Thrasios Rograk deck. There's Thrasios Tavesh. You know, um, it's, like, in in very specific metas, um, Thrasios is, is not good. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, a fast, you know, in a fast enough pod, it's not good. Um, but I, like, conversely, I've also seen, like, very early crumbs, you know, not draw cards. And I think that assuming like a, a reasonable spread across those games um the hands that like the hands where crom is really good um i think are like generic they're they're like kind of worse hands um they're hands where you're you're like spending a lot of your gas to land the crom um and that's like a nice backup plan in the decks where like you want to have the gas to play spells that are typically better than Krom. Um, but sort of Thrasios is still reasonably viable as like a primary plan in a way that, that Krom just isn't. Right. And I guess now the question gets thrown to me. Yeah. So I'm going to take uh, the very contrary position here and I'm going to go Spleen's an idiot. <laughs> no one should listen to him. I'm going to go out and say that I have not been excited to play Thrasios um, with Timna in particular uh, in any shell other than Razaketh Reanimator recently. Um, I have 
been substantially more interested in partnering Thrasios with Red Partners. Um, you know, in, in particular, I kind of like like the Thrasios Akiri, Thrasios Bruce decks um, because I feel like even if you are missing out on black, uh, like the Emil Dockside combos are really powerful and quite accessible thanks to green. Um, I feel like Vile Smasher and Thrasios is just so much stronger these days um, by virtue of, again, Dockside Extortionist, by virtue of Underworld Breach, uh, you know, just having a better ad nauseum. Like having kind of like access to one more one card win conditions there is like super powerful. Um, right. So, you know, I, I feel like Thrasios, Timna, like the kind of more like mid rangey piles. If I was going to build something like that, like um, a like a Thrasios, Timna, like consultation deck, I would almost feel like I have to be playing um, like Collector Oof uh, for it to be something that I'm interested in doing. Otherwise, I feel like I'm doing a worse version of a different type of deck. And and personally, I don't like doing that. Um, you know, some people like to sort of build what they think is like the best version of a given commander. And they're okay with playing that, even if it's sort of just a worse version of another commander. I would personally prefer to play like what I think is the best thing that's unique that that deck can be doing. Um that like you know so so you're saying so you're saying you'd rather play kenrith for like those kind of mid-range collector yeah i mean consult decks probably i'm not going to play collector roof in my kenrith decks because i also want to be playing like dockside type combos in that deck too um which is an interesting tension and you know i wouldn't fault someone for like trying it i've seen it and i've seen it work but i think it's a tension that i'm like not necessarily convinced the deck needs to have but that's just my opinion on the matter. It's not, it's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I, I think that I prefer Timna Krom again, because there is so much strength in having one card win conditions and, and building around your one card win conditions. If playing the has taught me anything, it's just like having clean lines to threaten a victory that are like very easily accessible is such a powerful thing to be doing. Um, you know, to be able to like pivot off of somebody's misstep and be able to win kind of on a dime is extremely powerful. Um, and I think that Thrasios Timna, you know, by virtue of typically needing to play mostly like two card combos and not necessarily being able to be built to like leverage one card combos very, very well, in my mind, kind of pigeonholes it to a certain extent uh, to be playing more of like that kind of like grindier style of deck where you might be playing like Collector Roof to attack the meta, you might be playing like Deafening Silence, something like that. And then if I wanted to be playing Thrasios, um, I'm much more interested in doing Razaketh Reanimator because I think that Thrasios actually contributes significantly to that strategy, uh, or like a Thrasios Bruce deck because I think that Dockside Extortionist is insane. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm certainly much more convinced. Like, if if we say specifically in the context of a Timna partner, I think it's like a lot easier to argue for uh, Krom because then, yeah, we are like we're not just talking about like sort of what the cards do themselves, but more uh, like what you know, like the fact that you get like Dockside and Breach, for example, is like sure is huge. Um, I guess like 
as so if you wanted to compare them like more directly i guess i'm curious where you stand on thrasios vile versus um like Krom, one of the go sure like Krom ikra or Krom. Krom ikra yeah Krom rahan um yeah so that's a good question i think and and that's where i think i'm not necessarily sold one way or the other 100 percent uh i think that like there's distinct advantages to playing Thrasios in that type of shell. Uh, I think like Neoform into Hullbreacher or like Eldritch Revolution, if you're playing that for some reason into Notion Thief is like a really, really powerful line. I think probably we shouldn't be talking about the Eldritch Revolution line so much as the Neoform one. Um, I think that like having like all of those rocks that, you know, you can use to theoretically like turn into you know, pump into Thrasios um, is okay. It's not fantastic. I think that's less good than Krom. Um, you know, overall, I think those two decks want to be built a little bit differently. Um, I think that, like, the Krom Ikra version wants to be built a little lower to the ground, focused more on, like, sort of immediate mana and rituals, and then, like, the Thrasios file version wants to be built a little bit more resiliently. Um, so they're kind of like two different flavors in a sense of that type of strategy. Um, you know, to some extent it's going to boil down to your meta and your preferred play style, uh, you know, as to which one is strictly better. I know that's a bit of a cop out of an answer. Um, you know, for, for my own play style, it's sort of shifted towards preferring to play the, the Chrom type game rather than the Thrasios game. If that's, uh, you know, the concrete answer you need. Which is interesting because, like, I I feel like uh, like Team Turn Three is not necessarily the uh, the the healthiest environment. Sure. For Grom. <laughs> Although I, I I do want to point out that I think every time you bust out that deck, you tend to do very well. Oh no, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a four color ad nauseum pilot. It's it's a good deck. I just mean like I've you know some people. In, in various discussions I've had, have sort of essentially claimed that, like, if you play a Krom on, like, turn one or turn two, you know, it's going to draw you, like, three, like, usually it's, like, at least four cards in the next two turn right. cycles. And, like, I, I don't know that that's, like, as reliable. No, that's that's less true for, for when we're playing other, on other places. Three, for sure. <laughs> we, we tend to be a little disciplined. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've, Lord knows I've played a Rhystic Study and somehow not drawn any cards off of it after like three turns. Um, I actually don't know. And then you added, I, and then you added me to the group, and all bets were off. Yeah. Just, <laughs> since I like, had since I've had Tim Crom together for NSL, I actually don't know that I've ever wound up casting Crom. Like maybe I did once. You you definitely did on stream. I can say that much, but maybe not in the NSL. No, no, I meant like I meant on stream. Like I just I put the deck. To, I had the deck together in the summer for NSL, but then I had it together for like the last month or so. I can I can say for sure that you've done it on stream though. Okay, I'm I'm very confident about that. That sounds right. That you know yeah. with with Timna, and then you know you you started essentially gushing about how good Timna is, which you're not you weren't wrong. <laughs> 
Timna's is a pretty yeah. good card. Like, yeah, hot, hot <laughs> well, takes. You guys, Whoa, you can, guys, can we get uh, this labeled as a hot takes episode? Timna is good. You guys should uh, be getting your uh, TMS uh, Thrasus and Timna. Oh, I'm so excited. Soon too. That's adorably optimistic. Clearly, you know nothing about the Canadian postal system. Yeah, it, it's it's going to take mailed, a month, but I, that's I, okay. Mailed, <laughs> I, I mailed Nathan a... Uh, he bought a card off of me not too long ago, and I sent it to him. It took him like 10 days. So I don't know. Well, maybe we'll get lucky. But anyhow. I mean, I'm, I'm joking a um, little bit, but... Um, but yeah, so... Uh, it's very interesting to hear all these opinions. I I am still the opinion that Thrasios is still better, um, but I also tend to play grindy types of decks generally that like to be able to hold up mana, sandbag, sit on interaction, and then you know having an outlet that you can dump your mana into is like ideal for me. Um, right. I like you prefer to play a game where everyone else has failed to win. And then you can kind of just like coast through the, the goals, you know, like the goalposts, you know, like, right. Yeah. Like I, I just, it, it, and, and maybe that's just a play style thing for me. Right. Where it's just like, I, I have played, uh, a handful of games with Tim Necron. Um, and like, it's just, there's something about the way that it plays where I just feel like I can't sandbag and sit on interact. Like I always feel like I'm playing a combo deck um, and I'm not playing a mid range deck when I'm playing that. And maybe that's just a me thing, but I feel like distinctly the lack of green and it's like, here, I mean, there's definitely an element. There's definitely an element of that, that, that green gives decks, uh, staying power just like right in that you can get a little bit higher on the amount of mana you have that untaps every turn right. um, and then you get like you know you get your sylvan library and carpet of flowers you get the the creature tutors also enable some amount of like uh i mean hate bears isn't exactly the right word but you know access to access to like at least somewhat disruptive elements um in a way that uh, like there, there's the access to creatures is so good that you frequently use creature tutors to find disruptive elements as opposed to like win cons, which is not really something you see with any other card type or any other color. Um, like dedicated stacks decks sometimes you know enlightened tutor for like a stacks piece, but a non dedicated deck like like Razakats, you know sometimes I'm like I have this tutor like. I'm just, you know, like, I have this Neoform. I'm not going to find Consult. I'm just going to find, like, Draneth Magistrate or, or Collector Roof or Hullbreach or, or Opposition Agent, whatever it is. Um, and that, like, gives you a lot of tools to extend a game um, and and then actually put your... the advantage that your mid-range pieces give you in a longer game into effect. Right. Yeah, yeah, I would it, agree with that. I don't know. I, I also think the other thing that Thrasios gives, and I don't think this is um, talked about enough, is the amount of, like, opening hands that you can just, like, I'll shuffle, look at a seven, and go, yep, oh, that's good enough. And it's just, like, when I'm on the... And I think it's, it's really more of a green thing, right? Um, but it's, like, when I'm 
on these sans green strategies, my mulligans feel worse every time uh, than when I'm playing like a Thrasios deck where I'm just like, okay, so there's a dork and two lands and like some amount of interaction and uh, maybe another like mana rock or something. Like, I, I just feel like the, the hands that are keepable are so much better. Well, uh, have you played much with any Thrasios decks that aren't Timna decks as well? Just out of curiosity, I, I know you have some sort of brew, like a, uh, like a Thrasios Timna deck, if I remember correctly, but... I, because, played, like, a, I played a lot of Thrasios Vile Smasher for okay. a really long time. That was like my main deck was uh, Paradox Storm. Um, okay. But like, and, like since the, let's say like since the Flash ban or since the Pendant ban at least... Um, what was it? I played some evolution. Okay. Because, um, like, I think, it. I think, like, one of the things that was sort of quietly overlooked, um, or sometimes quietly overlooked, even during Flash Elk, and I think it's, it's, like, less true now than it was, but it's still somewhat true, is the strength of the, uh, the Landork Lantimna opener. Right. Um, it's just, like, I feel like that's, like, that's like a standard like chess book opening, you know. <laughs> it's like this is like so. It doesn't. It doesn't give you like a massive advantage or like some. It's you a know, setup like, play. Nothing crazy is happening, but it's like it's solid. You know, like there's a lot of different directions you can take it. Like it's just like you know, like your Rui Lopez or whatever. Sure. Um, <laughs> or like an Italian gamer, um, and and like you play that, and then it fits very nicely assuming you untap turn three um which is sometimes a questionable assumption but um <laughs> you can sort of gauge that a little bit if you go like landork land thrasios then sticking the or sorry landork land timna then sticking the thrasios drawing a card and having two mana on turn three is like a decently solid position it's not like insane it's not you know, like anything to write home about, but it's it's a playable position in most games, and it's incredibly consistent because you can run six or seven. Like Thrasios to me, you can run is it seven, eight mana dorks that like one mana dorks right, Th three green ones, birds, noble, death right, deep shadow, pilgrim. I guess boreal druid, but we'll ignore boreal druid because it's bad, like. <laughs> Like, you know, you can run certainly at least seven, eight if you're willing to play Pilgrim, um, which a lot of decks aren't, but whatever. Um, and that means that, like, such a high percentage of your openers will essentially have the floor of Landork, Lantimna, Lanthrasios play the game. Yeah, it, it's um, interesting. Those openings don't excite me, like, nearly as much as they used to. Um, I just feel like some of the tools that, that you know, in particular red decks have gotten recently, the way people have started building their decks towards, you know, more proactive game plans as opposed to, you know, setting up value engines to kind of, like, grind with the 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 Hulk decks has sort of, right. like, made it so that I don't necessarily want to be keeping, like, that super dirtly type hand. Um, so, like, it, it's interesting that you brought that up, and, and Callahan, it, I, I think that it's especially interesting that you brought up, you know, sort of like some of those hands that you really, really feel like you like to keep uh, with Rasio's Timna. 
uh, it kind of reminds me of a video that uh, Braden from the CDH cast put out. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to call anybody out here or anything like that, but he was doing like a Grady keeps, I think with uh, medium green and mm-hmm. some of those hands he was evaluating. They were like literally like, you know, mana dork, mox diamond, mana dork, you know, like kind of like dump your hand, have four mana, like cast Thrasios turn two, and then like have like four mana on turn three, but like no interaction in hand, no tutor, just like a bunch of mana. And he was like, oh, this is, this is fantastic. This is great. And I'm like, you know, to me, I, you know, I, I don't play that deck. So maybe if you're playing that type of deck, you have to anticipate that like you're going to be playing against a lot of other kind of grindy mid rangey decks. And in that situation, that's a hand that you do keep. Um, and and so if you're evaluating that hand from that lens, then sure, perhaps that's a great keep. And, you know, I'm sure Brayden had his reasons for evaluating that hand that way. But it, when I look at that hand, I'm like, man, this hand does nothing. <laughs> like, I'm going to spend four mana to activate Thrasios, and that's, like, what I'm getting excited about as a hand. Like, no tutor, no interact, literally, like, no counter spells to defend uh, myself from people's win attempts, like in those early turns, you know, it's just like all engine, all engine, all engine. And, you know, I've kind of like. All engine. No yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've kind of felt like, you know, you can't really keep hands like that these days anymore. You, you, you like your hand needs to really have like a plan to actually close out the game. Um and that's something that I do see not, and I wasn't trying to single any, anyone out in particular. I just found that, you know, that one sticks in my mind, but I've played games against people where I've like found out later that they kept like, you know, like land, land dork, um, you know, like some other kind of disruptive piece and like a fluster storm or something. And like the hands plan is like literally just like draw into the thing. <laughs> like, like I, I kind of have to draw into it. Um, and I think that that can be a fine plan if you've got one card win conditions. I think it becomes a much more questionable plan when you're relying on two card win conditions. Um, and I think it's it, yeah. No, no. I was just gonna finish by saying that, like, you know, that's that's sort of like where I'm coming from. Uh, in in particular, with Thrasios and Timna, you know, how they tend to be playing more A plus B combos. I think it's also like it matters a lot, not just like what decks you're playing against, but but what people you're playing against and their tendency to like jam or check or call bluffs or whatever. Because like personally, if I saw someone, if I saw someone, you know, they open like, let's say they go like land, mox, dork. And then they're playing like Timna and Thrasios. They have like still, you know, four or five cards in hand. And then they pass with a bunch of mana open. Like I'm immediately very nervous about trying to do anything into that, right? It's like they can, you know, there's almost certainly at least one piece of interaction, possibly more. Um, but like some people, they they just like take the risk and, and sort of check, right? And so like if you play against people who have a tendency to check, then one piece of interaction is not like enough, right? Someone tries to go off, you, you know, they pull your fluster storm and then the next person tries to go. Right. And you're like, well, I guess we die. But like, if you play against people who 
sort of respect that a little bit more, like sometimes, sometimes one piece of interaction, you know, can stop three people from going off for a turn cycle. And it, it very much depends on like who those people are and, and how they tend to play, um, whether or not that's true. Yeah. I mean, there's also just the idea that like four mana draw one card is not necessarily spectacular value either. Like it's okay when you know that the game is going to go on for multiple turns or, you know, you have the ability to play like a mana dork, like a bloom tender or something that's going to like let you amp that up to potentially drawing like two additional cards a turn. Um, and, you know, you start to like subsequently like develop your mana more and like make that engine really, really powerful. But like when your turn three is like, I'm going to draw a card. <laughs> well, yeah, which is, which is why I, I like, I, tend to, you know, try and develop Timna first, usually when I'm playing like, obviously not when I'm playing Teresio's File Smasher. I right. Develop File Smasher first, but, like, I think that those kinds of hands, and I also, I evaluate those kinds of hands a lot differently outside of the contexts of having Timna as well as Teresio. Sure. Right? Like, when you can play Timna and draw a couple cards, like, when if your first Thrasios activation is after you've already drawn two cards off your Timna, then like it definitely feels a lot better to have kept a hand without sort of a clear path to victory initially. Um, but obviously, when you just have Thrasios, and so your first Thrasios activation is like the first time you've drawn extra cards, um, yeah, that's definitely a little bit more more dicey. Yeah, and I mean we're still talking about hands where like you're potentially you know, tapping out or tapping low both turns two and turn three, right? Like, and and to me, that's not necessarily spectacular either, considering, like, what decks can do these days on turn two and three. I mean, I think it... I wouldn't consider casting Thrasius off a dork on turn three, like, after Timna on turn two, to be tapping low. Like, that lets you pass with, with two mana open... Um, which is certainly enough to represent like a lot of different pieces of interaction and possibly multiple pieces of interaction. Sure. Um, but yeah, obviously tapping up for Dimna on turn two is a little, can, can be a little dicey, especially if like you saw somebody else just spaghetti out. Like, right. And at that point or something like that, you're theoretically like, it seems like you're only drawing one card off of your Timna at that point. Right. Like, so it's not like the case where yeah. you're drawing two cards off of your Timna, like. Yeah, yeah. You draw you draw one card off the Timna, and then it's like, then on on the turn three, and then it's like the next turn you have both Thrasios and Timna who can attack. Maybe you can draw two cards, even if you only draw one, you know. And then you can, if you play a land, you could play, like a one mana spell, like another Dork or or like a two mana rock that taps. Um, and then still be holding up a Thrasios activation. And, like, that's when that deck, like, that for me, that's when, like, I start feeling, like, quote-unquote comfortable. Yeah, and I mean, I like that a lot more decks. when people are playing more interactive and stacksier types of decks, where... Yeah, there's definitely pods where yeah. you're like, that's just not good enough, and so you're mulliganing a little bit more aggressively for, for some sort of fast mana, so you can try and, you know, turn one Thrasios, turn two Timna... Or something like that. Or, like, yeah, actually make a more proactive play. Yeah, yeah. Turn one, you know, dork. Turn two, like, Ristic Study holding up a mana. Or, or like, turn one dork and, like, Soul Ring or Crypt 
their mocks or whatever, and then turn to Ristic Study holding up some amount of mana or something like that is more where you want to be. Or like, obviously, Hull Breacher. Yeah, Hull, Hull Breacher into pretty, Wheel pretty <laughs> being, you know, something I mean, you'd prefer to be doing. <laughs> or, or you mean like into somebody else's wheel. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been a very interesting conversation, to say the least. Uh, hearing all the different opinions um, from you guys about it, and also some of the history uh, behind it and kind of where it was, because especially from somebody like me where, you know, in 2016 when that came out, I was I was still playing my um, Grim Grim uh, zombie tribal deck. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting to hear from people who have kind of been in the format a little bit longer. Okay, wait, uh, Callahan, I have really. to ask, what do you think my first CEDH deck was? Your first one? Yeah. Oh, jeez. When did you start playing? Start playing Magic or start playing... Like CDH. Well, that's... This is kind of why I'm asking that question. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know. Like... <laughs> Zer or something. I it don't was, know. It was Kess. Okay. Which came out halfway through 2017. I feel like you're acting like... Like Spleen Face is ancient. Yeah. Well, no, it's like... I think I'm the only person here who played before Thrasios was released. My point is that you guys... It, like, Spleen, you certainly are more well-versed in those things than I am, I feel like, is what I'm saying. Um, but at any rate... Um, getting your opinions on those things, uh, very interesting. And um, I don't know. I, I, I just still think Thrasios is really good. I, I'm a little biased, though, you know. Um, well, are we concluding but, that Thrasios you know, is bad? Because I don't think that that was my conclusion. Any, I don't think anyone said yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, my my conclusion is, is I still think it's better than Krom, even as a Timna partner, because... I, I just like and I've seen Tim Necrom like grind really far, but I think the 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 colors give you more grind potential. It just I, I, I just think that for the type of game plan that you're gonna want to be doing on like a Timna strategy, Thrasios makes more sense than Chrom does. Even though your ability to your potential top end to draw like a bananas amount of cards in Tim Necrom is potentially higher right because you can okay so we draw one from the crom from somebody casting two cards we're also swinging with crom and it has evasion uh with the timna out and so i i get all that i don't know i i just think that in my opinion i like thrasios more i mean that's fair uh i think you know if i could say anything and if there's any message that i could sort of try to leave people off with is that at the end of the day you know, as somebody who was here before Thrasios was printed playing this format, uh, and, you know, I guess I've been observing a large number of, of shifts in the format. You know, what I can say is that we're talking about a swinging pendulum in a lot of respects. Um, you know, back when I started, red was very much actually, like, still considered generally better than white. Um, you know, people gave us gave a slight edge to Jaleva even over Zur. Um, you know, and and those were sort of like the two decks to beat. Um, and 
then Thrasios released, was released, excuse me, and the pendulum swung very firmly into the green camp. Uh, and, you know, this was predated to some extent by like Tazri, but, uh, you know, I would say really got solidified with the release of Thrasios and Timna. Uh, I think we're seeing uh, the pendulum swinging back in the direction of red with, you know, the insane red cards that we've gotten recently. And I think that probably in the future, we're going to see the pendulum swing again, you know, with perhaps the printing of new powerful white cards that might, uh, <laughs> I know that's a meme, but like, you know, things that might potentially attack some of like these really uh, like storm E or storm adjacent type strategies um, or, you know, just new green cards that might sort of reinvigorate interest in sort of these flagging archetypes. You know, at the end of the day, there's, there's, there's not like a truth to the matter, right? There's just, because it's a moving target, new cards are being printed all the time. So we can't make any conclusion that will withstand the test of time. Uh, no, we're right. And this will be right forever. Right. <laughs> um, wizards print a white hate bear that says your opponents can't win the game. You cowards. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like that's doable. It's like, it's actually just like so fair. Yeah, it's like pretty doable, I think. Like a 1-3. It just dies to all yeah, removal. Or like a 2-1 or like with uh, with some like... If you want to make it really squishy. First yeah. strike or something. Yeah, 2-1 like vigilance or something. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. And we're, we're going to have a Strixhaven set review coming up here uh, in the next few weeks as... Uh, Strixhaven spoilers start to uh, really come out. I tell you what, and as Oracle this... Consult is supplanted as the best combo in the format by <laughs> Chain of Smog. <laughs> we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to have a Chain of Smog intervention episode. I I I think that card is gonna cause problems in other Eternal formats potentially. I yeah. Um, I think just that's... because of how many copies of these magecraft cards you can cast. right right I, I think i would tend to think that that's way less spicy of a take way less hot of a take than like this is a playable combo in cedh oh i, I don't I, know I, mean, I think it's unplayable particularly in like limited color environments but it's certainly not oracle consult right <laughs> no yeah, yeah. The I'm, thing I'm is, being a little though, harsh I, this is I, I shouldn't get into this because I have I have opinions. I think it's going to chain of vapor or chain of smog is going to end up getting banned personally. Um, I I think that every casual player in the world is going to jump on a chain of smog and some magecraft shenanigan, and it's gonna it's gonna it, it has I see the writing on the wall of like paradox engine people like people getting annoyed with it the same way they got annoyed with paradox engine written all over well the thing is is that like well, the problem with paradox engine wasn't that it won the game the problem was that it didn't win the game um yep ding 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 and and like i i don't know this this to me just feels like another a plus b and like in many ways it's an a plus b that's a lot worse than existing a plus b's um, right. So, like, I, I don't see a world where you ban Chain of Smog and not, like, Tainted Pact. Or, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Or just Thassa's Oracle. I like, mean, I, I, I don't agree. understand I, how you make I, that argument. I, I would... This is 
has nothing to do with our episode, and this is just a <laughs> bonus clip for people. But like my argument to that is, I I think that they like it. I I think what will if I have a prediction before we even before we even see all the Magecraft cards, my prediction is is that Chain of Smog is gonna be like the gateway drug for people that's going to get them to see how busted, like really busted demonic consultation and tainted pact are. Cause like, like people have it lower power, like tables have this like understanding that it's good, but I don't think people are going to really understand it until they see something similar, want that band. And then the RC is going to make a similar argument that you just made and then people are going to be like, well, we should ban that too then. And then I, I guess, I, I guess I just that's, like, is it just could be because you think like Magecraft is a cool mechanic and it's like appealing that you think that that's, people that's who why. weren't previously putting cheap A plus Bs in their deck are going to put, I guess well, like yeah, I, I could see the argument that it's like with Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation, you kind of have to make the decision to run both. Whereas if you're like building a Spellslinger deck and you just throw in a bunch of, of the like magecraft cards because like they they synergize with what your deck's doing then it's right. actually just like one card to well yeah and that that's kind of my argument overall is it's it's not that it's just a one card like one a plus b whatever or that it's significantly it's the fact that it every magecraft card it is it's gonna go off with and i just i feel like well enough casual people are going to see that get real irritated by that and push for a ban notably it, it has to it only goes off with magecraft cards that kind of do something that wins the game right like if, if it's something well, it only that wins the game with the, it, it, it goes off with every single mage it gets you a magecraft trigger for every single mage yeah you, you can get infinite sure, magecraft sure. Triggers, so like but who cares if like you make your like two two with no evasion like you know a billion two and like it gets blocked yeah, or so like, um, you know, of the Magecraft cards we've seen so far, um, it combos with with three. I think okay, uh, uh, two. So yeah. it makes it combos it, with a doesn't lot. Doesn't combo of them. with the draw it makes, one. No, no. <laughs> well, it kind, yeah, I mean, with extra hoops, right? Like if it, you it squint takes hard some enough. hoops. No, no, it takes some hoops <laughs> because you need, like, if your deck can win from, or like if you build your deck so that it can win from my deck in my graveyard than it does but obviously that requires other cards yeah um and i don't know that casual so it players with, will build it combos that. with the planeswalker it combos with wither bloom apprentice it combos with the one that makes treasures oh true yep. yeah and then but that doesn't necessarily uh, win on the spot that just makes infinite mana and you have no cards yeah in your it makes hand. it makes infinite makes infinite mana um it make it put makes your dragon's guard elite the the green one it makes it infinitely large sure but it's a creature without haste or evasion right? right like that's that's definitely not like i think that that will like discard your hand make an infinite infinite i actually like don't even know if that's particular but there's also a lot of people who like, will do like the quandrix uh apprentice one where they're going to be like all right i'm going to get every land out of my deck and all those things, and it's just sure, but like that, they go to your hand, right? Like it's it's, and then you discard them, right? And also you discard them, yeah. like it's chain of smog, right? You do discard them, right? So so you put all the 
lands in your deck in your graveyard. Like, Mana Severance is already a card and no one plays it. Yeah, I, I think, like, no one playing casually is going to want to do something where you discard your, your hand entirely if it doesn't win the game. Right. I don't know, we'll, we'll also see what else comes out, but I just, I have this sneaky feeling, this has, people are going to play it because Magecraft, it's flashy, it's cool, it's new, um, and, like, it's not explicitly competitive if that makes sense um and i i just think enough people are going to look at that play it and there's going to be enough people that are going to get frustrated and mad by it that it it will at the very least have a conversation well you know what I guess you're just more optimistic than me <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm looking forward like well i'm not looking forward i like kind of hope that this happens if only because like in, yeah, in a world where this happens reevaluate yeah. Oracle consult. I'm exactly. Right. By that. Right. It, it kind of <laughs> opens the door to like other two card combos potentially being reevaluated. And that would kind of be where I would be not optimistic about this happening, but like I would welcome it happening to some extent. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a very big proponent of like, either banning Thor or banning consult pact. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. And if this is the avenue to get there, then hell yeah, let's do it. Um, in my opinion, but yeah, but then um, we just play that's like other underworld breach combos, right? Yeah, but there's more surface area to like interact with. Like the whole problem with Thor is the fact that it's a triggered ability. It's way harder to interact with than like lab man sure but anyway that's a different uh whole other episode (laughs) this is already a different podcast and now that's a different different podcast (laughs) this has been three podcasts thanks so much for listening yeah the the triple the triple podcast and it's still shorter than your average into the north episode It's shorter than the average th- Mind Sculptors episode. What are you talking about? We're sitting here at 90 minutes almost. And most of our episodes are like two and a half hours. There's just not that much to say. You know, Thrasios, okay card. <laughs> I've, there. Heard yeah. that, I've heard that it had an impact on the meta at one point. <laughs> well... With that said, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in. That about wraps things up for us here today. Uh, just a quick reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at Sculpty Boys, or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. want to also give an extra shout out to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Uh, thank you uh, again for joining us, Spleen and Pongo. Uh, appreciate you guys and your uh, thoughts on this. And from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan. We'll see you next time.